Here we go. It's Rumination Tuesday, September the 11th in the year of our Lord. I'm sorry, January the 11th in the year of our Lord, 2022. I'm Pastor Tom Baker, and the hymn we're going to be listening to is The Only Son from Heaven. And that is The Only Son from Heaven. It was written by Elizabeth Kruziger. She died in 1535. In fact, she was the only female hymn writer in Martin Luther's immediate circle. Luther knew that the existing collection of hymns in German was small and often lacking in evangelical theology. So he encouraged theologians around him to write evangelical psalms and hymns. We're kind of faced with that today with a lot of pastors using contemporary hymns that are not evangelical, not properly dividing law and gospel. But this one certainly does. In fact, Luther would write letters to some of his friends with specific directions about how to accomplish the task. And it makes sense that he would have also mentioned the project to gifted individuals in Wittenberg, including Krusiger, whose husband, Casper, was professor of theology at the University of Wittenberg. The only son from heaven uh, written by a woman at the time of Luther's day. And Pastor Mark Smith is on with me. What do you think of this hymn for Epiphany? Well, it's a, uh, it's a fine hymn. It's um, in our hymnal, I call, I call hymns like this Hopix Legomena. In other words, uh, it's, the, it's the only tune of its kind that it's the only hymn of its kind that uses this particular melody. Uh, and, uh, I always look at the back to see what melody it has. And I look to see if there's another hymn that has the same melody. This one has, is the only one that has that melody. So it's kind of, if you, if you're not familiar with the tune, uh, you're kind of stuck. It's not a, it's not a hymn that I'm real familiar with. I find it very interesting 
as you said, that it was written by uh, the only one written by a woman in that day uh, in yes. uh, Lutheran circles. She was that's born really in, that's really she, impressive. She was born in 1500, died in 1535. So she was only 35 years old when she died. Wow, boy, how young. Yes, for sure. Too young. Well, she probably could have had probably could have written some more hymns if she had more time. So let's kind of take a look at stanza 1, please. Okay. The only son from heaven foretold by ancient seers, by God the Father given, in human form appears. No sphere his light confining, no star so brightly shining as he, our morning star. So she's talking about ancient seers. Who's that referred to? That's the, uh, the prophets in the Old Testament that all foretold of the promised Messiah, Jesus. Yes, exactly. And it's not that Jesus did not appear in the Old Testament as the second person of the Trinity before he was incarnated uh, by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary. But this is before he became human beings for us. Yeah, you know what's interesting about this hymn, Tom? When I when I I was told that this would be the hymn for today, for this coming Sunday, I looked for I looked for um, you know one of the familiar lessons that we use during Epiphany. I, like this coming Sunday, it's going to be the uh, uh, the first miracle, changing water into wine, and uh, but really, and it's and it's it's not. It's it's a general epiphany hymn. Doesn't seem to um, doesn't seem to focus on any particular event except maybe the baptism of Christ. Um, but uh, it's it's pretty general in uh, appealing to the whole idea of epiphany. He's the bright morning star, um, which is what epiphany epiphany has that theme of of the light of Christ. Yes. Uh, appearing on this dark world. But it's very general in its epiphany approach. Well, it all depends how you read John chapter 2, which is a miracle at Cana for the um, wonderful uh, wedding where he changed much water into wine. But John starts off Does he start off talking about Jesus or Mary? No, Mary. Mary's the one that's invited to that wedding, and and it it leads us to think that she was related to the the couple somehow. Um, But she's the one, she's the first one mentioned, and, and it just so happened that Jesus and as well as his disciples were invited as well. Yes. That I find kind of interesting. Do you know that Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, which of the Gospels talk about the birth of Jesus? Uh, Luke. And Matthew. Yes, you're right. Matthew does, too. Talks about the coming of the wise men. That is true. But, but the, Mark the Christmas story, John you know, the typical, the typical Christmas the story comes from Luke. 
What was that? Are you done? Yes, I'm done. <laughs> okay. But Mark and John, that's the point I'm yeah. trying to make, do not talk about the birth. But there was something very interesting in that first verse of John chapter 2. Yes. On the third day, there was a wedding at Cana in Galilee, and the mother of Jesus was there. Yes. Now, why would she be referred to as the mother of Jesus? Well, because, of course, she is. Uh, it, it, it's, in, uh, it, it's in distinction uh, to the to the claim that you know that uh, well you know there were, there were rumors going around that that Jesus uh, that it wasn't a virgin birth there was even there were even the accusations that he was a illegitimate son of a, exactly. a Roman a Roman soldier and well uh, said yes right and so this is the first time John speaks of Jesus being a human being because the mother of Jesus was there. And that's how it fits, I think, with this hymn, the only son from heaven, and that he became, appeared in human form. And so I'm going to tie that in to John 2 with the uh, wedding at Cana that it responds in a way that the mother of Jesus is first mentioned in John because his first chapter is kind of about John the baptizer and that work and the baptism. But boy, to say that this woman Mary is a mother of Jesus, that that's filled with information. Yes. And of course, also, that first chapter of John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, the same was in the, in the beginning with God. And, uh, and we beheld His glory. Glory is of the only Son of God, full of grace and truth. And, and uh, were they also thinking, too, about this first miracle, where, where He showed forth His glory in this very first miracle of changing water into wine? Well, you're quoting verse 11 of the text. This is the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee and manifested his glory. Yes. And his disciples believed in him. Yeah, they said, we beheld his glory. That's in the first chapter of John. And this yes. is one way that they beheld his glory, the first, the first, uh, the first miracle. But I don't think they believed in him as God. Uh, let's see. Does it say? I'm trying to think. What does it say again in connection with that, uh, with the miracle at Cana? Does it say and they his believed in him? Disciples believed in him. Yes. But remember, they were on a boat. Jesus yeah. stilled storm and wind, and they said, "Who is this man?" that yes. has power over storm and wind. They still hadn't figured it out until the resurrection. Because he think, promised Tom, he would have been raised from the resurrection, but the disciples, none of them believed it. Well, do you think, do you think they possibly believed 
in him as God, but that they, you know, they forget this. You know, you need to be reminded of that again and again and again. That's why we need to hear the scriptures and uh, and good preaching. Do you think they they really did not yet, it didn't really dawn on them yet uh, who and who indeed he was, God, all, the Most High himself? Uh, no, I don't think they did, because who was the first apostle to refer to him as God? Peter. No. No, wait a minute now. Peter, Peter, you are the you are the Christ, the only son of the... What, what was his profession? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. Right. But that then meant that he was God. Okay. Who, who do you say was the first to profess him? When Thomas saw him. Ah, my second... Lord and my God. That's right. That's, uh, that's where it expressly says that. Yeah. Yep. Doubting Thomas. Time... Yes, doubting <laughs> Thomas. I think that's why my parents named me. Because when I was born, they said, oh, there must be a God. They had their doubts about you, right? (laughs) Oh, boy. (laughs) All righty. In human form appears, no sphere his light confining. Boy, that would have to be explained to a child. What does that mean, no sphere? Well, I'm... Aren't they talking about the sphere of this of this globe, Earth? I think so. Yeah, I mean his yes. his his light shines beyond Earth. The, the he's next the whole, line. He's ex- the god of the whole universe. The next line explains that. No mm-hmm. star so brightly shining, and that's why he's referred to as our morning star. Right now, I I don't know if it's me just getting older, or whatever, but. We travel five, six hundred miles every week going to these churches. And sometimes in the morning we see the sun come up and occasionally they end up in my rear view mirror and I've got to turn the mirror. The sun is so bright. Oh yeah. That yeah. It just seems to be getting brighter and brighter these days. Yeah, oh I know. Yes. So All right, I'll read stanza two. O time of God appointed, O bright and holy morn. Now, the word morn is M-O-R-N, not M-O-U-R-N, so morning. Right, right. He comes the king anointed, the Christ, the virgin born, that grim death to vanquish for us, to open heaven before us and bring us life again. Now, that needs to be explained to unbelievers because they think they already have life. What's the life that's brought to them again? Life eternal, life in Christ. Uh, This is one verse, Tom, that I wondered if it wasn't at least touching on the baptism of our Lord. It, it, it talks about him being anointed, the, the king anointed with holy baptism, and uh, and the, the father speaking out of the heavens, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased, Christ the virgin born. And he did, that's when, he's, that's when his ministry officially begins. The word for anointed in the Hebrew 
and in the Greek. Do you know what they are? It's, it's Messiah. Uh, Messiah Very good. is the anointed Mes- one. As so also is the Christ. Right. They're, they're the same, just different languages. Yes. So he comes the king anointed, and I think you really hit it on the head that that happened at his baptism. Remember John said, boy, you do not need to be baptized by me. I need to be baptized by you. And Jesus says, no, it's necessary to fulfill all righteousness. Right. What did Jesus mean by that? Well, I I think I... I think he was he was taking on the sins of the whole world at that time, well which he continued to carry. He, he he carried them all the way to the cross. That's when he takes on the sins of the whole world. Um, which means that when he died on the cross, he paid yeah. for everybody's sins. The sins of all time. The sins of all time, the very first sin committed by Adam and Eve, and the very last sin that will be committed on the last day. Absolutely. Every sin was atoned for by him. Yeah, that's really what law and gospel is all about. Yeah. All right. Stanza three, please. O Lord, our hearts awaken to know and love you more, in faith to stand unshaken, in spirit to adore. That we, through this world moving, each glimpse of heaven proving, may reap its fullness there. That la- the last couple lines are a little bit, a little bit hard to understand because it's talking about, uh, it's talking that that we don't forget. There's a comma there. That we, and then it goes off through this world moving, each glimpse of heaven proving, that we may reap its fullness there. It's talking about us reaping the fullness of heaven. But where is it there? Uh, oh, it's, I think it's talking about the, the full culmination of heaven. The, the last day, the new heaven and new earth. Don't you? I think so also. Yeah. But do we ever see a glimpse of heaven here on earth? Oh, yes. Uh, at the Lord's Supper for one place. Excellent. That's exactly what I was thinking. And, of course, the baptism of infants. Right. So we already are bringing and reaping this fullness even here because there, there's something that says here that... To know and love you more. This occurs after our hearts are awakened. And that means they have received faith. So that really good works are not possible for the unbeliever. Because the motivation is not Jesus. It's something within them. Yeah. So there's some depth to this hymn. Oh, yes. Elizabeth Kreisiger kind of recognized. She was probably a good listener. Yeah. Well, if she I wonder if winning. her, I wonder if her husband, who was, as you said, a professor uh, of theology at, at Wittenberg, I wonder if he helped her at all with his hymn. I can't help but think that he might have. She has probably ran it by him, don't you think? Has your wife ever helped you with the sermon? 
no, no, not really. Uh, in fact, sometimes I catch her reading before I preach, and I think, "What are you looking at here?" You know, uh, uh, she may, she may, she may give me some good constructive uh, criticism afterward. Yes. No, I often will ask uh, Louise a question about something I wasn't sure of. Yeah. And she'll go into her room and come back with the answer. Yeah, I do that too. I ask uh, sometimes just how to spell a particular word. <laughs> well, why yeah. do you need to know that when you're preaching? Well, because my sermons are also printed out in advance for the congregation. Yeah. Yes, very good. Very good. All right, if you'd be so kind to read the final stanza. With oh, a... Father, here before you, with God the Holy Ghost, and Jesus, we adore you, O oh, pride of angel host. Before you mortals lowly cry, holy, 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 O oh, blessed Trinity. And that has a triangle in front of it. Yes, it's a doxological verse, and we, we normally stand for those verses. Yes, yeah. because the Father's mentioned, the Holy Ghost is mentioned, and Jesus is mentioned. So yeah. when, when you do the liturgy and it says Holy Ghost, do you change that to Holy Spirit? Um, not if it's a hymn like this. I'd I'd leave it as it is, of course. Oh yeah, well you uh, have to because but, but, it reminds with angel host. Right, but I I usually do uh, when I'm printing out a, a special liturgy, let's say on Christmas or some other yes. holy day. I might I might alter the liturgy a little bit. Yeah, I usually in, insert the word spirit instead of ghost. There's one other instance I make a change, and I, it really bugs me when the prayer ends, world without end. Yeah, world what, without what end. What do I change that to? Amen. <laughs> no. Light what? without end. Light with, you, you say light without end, world without end. No, 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 no. Light life. without end. Life. Oh, life without end. Oh, okay. Life without end. Yes. Why don't you like the word world in there? Because the world does end. Yeah, that's true. This world. This world does in, indeed. Yes. Yeah. So, that's interesting. I've never thought yeah. of that. Life without yes. end. I always say life without end. Mm-hmm. To make the point. So what does this mean that Jesus is the pride of angel hosts? Well, you know, he's uh, in our liturgy. We sing uh, what Lord God of Sabaoth. Sabaoth is the entire heavenly host. He is the commander of all heaven's angels. Yes. Yeah. Sabaoth does refer to that. I know I was doing a, a comedy thing on what's wrong with the hymnal, and I said, they didn't even spell Sabbath right. <laughs> but that's a different word, Sabaoth. Yeah. Sabaoth. Yes. 
So that's very good about the pride of angel host. Um, before you mortals lowly, why are we lowly when we cry holy, holy, holy? Well, we we should be on our knees. Yes. I mean, and who, you know, who would be able to stand? I mean, on the Mount of Transfiguration, the the, the disciples were almost at least at least somewhat blown away by the appearance of Jesus in his transfigured form. And I suppose if you see the Holy Trinity in, in its all of its glory, that would be uh, overwhelming. So I think the word lowly, a synonym for it would be in humility. Yes. We're humble. Mm -hmm. And when we cry, holy, 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 oh, blessed Trinity, we can't be talking about a human being. We have to be talking about Jesus as divine and human, and the Father is divine, and the Holy Spirit is divine. Right. All three. So you, you're using this hymn for Sunday? Um, no, I'm not. Um, okay. Maybe I should have. Uh, it's a good hymn, but I, oh, I, I really take some time choosing the hymns, Tom, and uh, I just felt that the one, the ones that I chose, um, and I'm not even sure I can remember all that I chose now. I, I, uh, I have particular reasons why I choose the ones that I do. This one, I, like I said, I was not familiar with its melody, with its tune, and I'm a little hesitant to pick a hymn if I don't. If I don't know how that hymn, how the hymn sounds, how it, the tune goes. Okay, thanks so very much. On tomorrow's Law and Gospel, we're going to be continuing our study on the book of Proverbs. So please tune in. We'll be glad to talk to you. I'm Tom Baker, and you've been listening also to Pastor Mark Smith. And listen carefully how you can continue to support the program as many of you are doing. God bless you. Listen to Law & Gospel each weekday morning at 9.30 on KFUO. For a tax-deductible gift to Law & Gospel, please make your checkout to Law & Gospel and mail to Law & Gospel P.O. Box 28910, St. Louis, Missouri 63132 or call toll-free 1-877-267-1962. Views and opinions expressed on Worldwide KFUO may not represent the official position of the management or ownership of KFUO, the Lutheran Church, Missouri Synod.